This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. It's the MVSP Season 3, Episode 48. I'm Joe Nagy, along with Brandon Worth sitting across from me. Brandon, we got a great guest coming on the show today. Kyle Lasowski, our buddy from Sports Communications and our major, as well as he works for Athletics with us. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure. Yeah, great to have you, and what a great day to have you on with a huge night of implications ahead in hoops, as well as some great matchups this weekend. We'll get into the Ferris State previews and more, including the college basketball situations with Juwan Howard. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, shout out to Bulldog Radio for making this show possible. Without their help, we would not be able to make this podcast. So if you want to make your own, whether it's about news, I mean, there's a lot of news going around right now. So we might be get a great time in the World start. War Three boys. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. But anything along that, you can contact them and start your podcast today. Me and Joe did just two years ago, and look where we are now. Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Exactly. But anyway, into the Ferris State Sports Report we go. The previews, championship night, the big one. Michigan Tech is in town, 5.30 for the women's, 7.30 for the men's. Both of them, huge, huge conference implications ahead. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're both tied right now first in the GLIAC 15-3. and three. So if we win today, I think we're outright because we already beat them once already uh, in the beginning of the season. So even if we are, are tied, we get the we get the lone uh, top of the GLIAC. So that's a big implication. Uh, loss against Purdue Northwest earlier, which was a tough one to deal with. So I think the guys are going to be ready to bounce back. It's going to be rocking in the wing tonight. I'm pretty excited. Kyle, I know you like it when the wink, get, wink gets rocking. You're going to be filming. Are you pretty excited for it? Oh, yeah. The energy, especially for the Grand Valley game, was the best energy I've felt in that stadium in a minute. And it's just it just the players, I, like watching the post games, they all talk about how much it helps them play and everything, and mm-hmm. it brings the win out of them. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome when that place is rocking. I'm excited because, like, especially with Walt kind of coming off a really good week, I think he's going to kind of carry that over. Uh, if we can get the three-point scoring, we're going to be solid. I think we're due for a big three-point game. We haven't really seen that from a lot of our guys yet uh, where, like, multiple guys are scoring three, four apiece. So I think we're due for that, especially with, you know, the implications. The guys are going to get ready. I know Coach Bronkema has some, you know, understanding like this is probably the biggest game of the season so far. It is the biggest game of the season so far. And, you know, if you can win Gliak outright, uh, with the big crowd, I think that's going to be a huge, huge boost for March coming up, especially with you know conference tournament. We don't want to have what happened last time, uh, and you know if we win tonight, we host it as well. So there's a lot of implications, and I think the guys understand you know what's going to go on tonight. Yeah, and I mean last time when we took uh, the trip up to Holton, I mean we played pretty well defensively. I know Michigan Tech, I believe, had some guys that that were out for various reasons, but we also did too. Logan Ryan was not in that game earlier this season, so he's going to have a great outing against this team. And I mean, you're looking at what Michigan Tech brings to the table. I mean, they're they're going to shoot the rock. They're they're a good shooting team, just like us. They got some they got some great scores from outside the three point arc with Carl and Simonson. They're two of the top shooters in the Gleeck from outside so they're going to bring that element to us and I mean uh, Trent Bell is going to be one that we're going to have to watch down low but I mean when we have the ability to turn that defense into offense and transition that's what makes us so lethal that's what makes this team so good and that's something that we haven't 
seen necessarily um, kind of looking back at what we are the, the road games that we had just this last week against uh, Parkside and Northwest it was a little bit slow and I mean not as much energy I think bringing coming back to wink that's where we kind of get that spirit reback and we need the fans to really help this team because this is a perfect time to get out of that slump because I mean next week it's on Mm-hmm. Winner go home, especially with the Gleak tournament coming up, and I think we're we're not locked, but I think we have a really good chance of making the actual national tournament. So, but you know, gotta get a win against Michigan Tech, and gotta get uh, hopefully a win against Northern Michigan uh, following the the Michigan Tech game. That one's gonna be tough too. Uh, they're always a perennially tough opponent, regardless of their uh, of their record or schedule or whatever. They're ten and eight right now. I think they're gonna be hosting Lake or no, they're traveling to Lake Superior State this weekend. So. Uh, or today, actually. So that's going to be a tough game for them. Like Superior State is up there in the GLAC standings as well. Uh, Northern, Mi- I don't know. I haven't really seen too much Northern Michigan, so I'm not really sure what to expect for Saturday. Yeah, I mean, they they were part of that trip up north as well. I mean, we were able to, to beat them. I believe it was like 76-63, to 63, I think was the final. Uh, I mean, we played pretty well. I mean, I don't think we played to our, our best that we've seen comparably to some other games this season. Uh, but, I mean, that was another great defensive effort from, from Arts, and I think that can carry over against that type of a team. Uh, they haven't had as much success this year uh, overall as Tech has. I believe that they're, I think they're middle middle of the standings right now, somewhere around like they a are 10 and 500 in the conference, somewhere in there. If they're I remember. tied, technically tied third. Uh, with Grand Valley, but there's also four teams ahead of them that have the same record. Oh, okay. Or we have the same record as Michigan Tech, and then Lake Superior and Saginaw have the same record at 11 and 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 10 and 8, and then 14 and 11 overall. They're a good team, but they're sneaky. We know that. Don't need to bring it up. So, I mean, it's going to have to be lay the hammer down. Doesn't matter. Nameless, faceless opponent. Mm-hmm. Play your game and get back on track. Yeah, sure. and a positive I see here is that recently, I mean, Walt's been scoring all year. But recently, he's just been getting back to the the well, Walt from the yeah, beginning the, of the, the season. The old Walt that we've been seeing. Scoring yeah. 25 points a game. And I feel like if he can do that and then Ben comes off the bench and he does his part and everybody plays their roles, I don't see anybody really stopping them. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like I said before, with like guys are due for a big game. Like Ethan Erickson really hasn't had a game where he's, you know, really gone off at the three-point uh, since the start of the season. Like, he's kind of been slowing down a little bit. So I think he's due for a game uh, sometime this weekend. Hopefully he can... Uh, do it tonight if not uh, at Northern but you know guys like Dorian and Lee they've been pretty much the consistency that we've been needing when uh, Walt's kind of been in the slump a little bit Vejas has been uh, a pleasant surprise so far I mean he scored 20 last game Uh, so there's a lot of guys who have done it before and I think if they can really rally behind and have big games they share the rock a little bit and kind of spread it out spread the floor we're gonna be pretty solid but uh, some Teams playing around the GLIAC this weekend. We already mentioned Northern Michigan is going to be traveling to Lake Superior State. But Grand Valley is going to be going to Wayne State at 730 today. Uh, Davenport is going to be taking on Saginaw Valley. Saginaw is going to try to get a little bit better seating for the GLIAC tournament coming up with a big, a good win against Davenport. And then Purdue Northwest and Northwood are going to be taking on each other in a low part of the GLIAC matchup. So we'll see what happens there. And then after that, Saturday, Michigan Tech is going to be going to Lake Superior State, uh, Northern is going to be coming to town against us. Parkside is going to be taking on North- Northwood. Grand Valley is going to be taking on Saginaw. And Davenport is going to be going up against the Warriors of Wayne State. Yep. I hear one common word that we all said throughout that entirety of that preview. Do. 
Yeah. That's what this team is due, due for, for a good one. Too bad that's not the word of the day because I would have nailed. We would have nailed that first. I know try. the word of the day, but I'm not going to spoil. Oh, it. we can't spoil. We can't spoil. What's your stats? What are your stats? I have not. I'm on like a eight streak right now. Ooh. I have not lost one. Okay. I started. Okay. I started in uh, when we were talking about that in our journalism class, and I did it. Got it in like two tries. I have not gotten to the last row yet. So we'll see what happens. He's hooked. He's hooked. Kyle, you have any better stats? No, I have yet to play the game. Uh, I, I've been avoiding it because I feel like it's just going to frustrate me. Smart man, smart man. I what heard that you? after the New York Times took over, though, the words are harder. So uh, That's probably fair. I technically, that means, yeah, technically that means I'm better than everybody because I started playing after New York Times took okay. it over and I have not lost. So Okay. I'm not saying anything, but you know what the implications are. This is the guy that wins one and then, you know, he's the champion. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, he, he gets his eight his eight streak and then doesn't play for another week just to say he has eight <laughs> yeah, streak. I played this morning and I got it in four tries. <laughs> What's the word then? I'm not telling you. Oh, okay. okay. You want me to tell you right now? No, we can't I'll say spoil it. it. I'll say it. Maybe Put we'll, some dirt on my name again. We, I'll spoil we, it. Let's dump it in this podcast. People have to listen to it and then they can find yeah. out the word. We'll just sneak it in there one of these times. But. It starts with a B. Okay, let's start there. <laughs> anyway, over to the women's side. Uh, same opponents, same days, just different times. And just as important of games, I mean, right now sitting tied with Wayne State at second right now for um, the Gleat Conference standings, which, by the way, they're playing GV. So technically, there's a huge chance that we can slip up into number two, mm-hmm. and that would be absolutely huge. Obviously, number one out of the question. Thanks, Grand Valley. But we'll see you in the tournament for a rematch. Yes, uh, but it's going to be a good game. Uh, I mean, we've seen a lot from this tech program in the past. They've been in a little bit of a downfall compared to what we've seen. I mean, last year they were one of the more dominant teams, giving GV a run. Uh, this year, not necessarily the same, but still got some great players. Rondorf McKay, they played really well against us up in Holton the first time around when we won by six. Uh, but that was, a, that was a game that we started off fast. 50 first half points. We're going to need some stuff like that early on to get the momentum in our, in our way. And being able to carry that over with good defensive play in the second half, that was a recipe for success the first time on December 11th. See if we can try to do it again tonight. Yeah, I'm excited, especially with Michigan Tech kind of being a little middle-of-the-road team as well as Northern Michigan there on the lower part of the GLIAC standing so far. Uh, you know, there's, these are two very winnable games. I think if Mallory and Caden have a pretty good game, if Mallory's able to open the floor with her passing, we've seen her court vision abilities are very impressive. And, I mean, if Chloe has a, another great weekend where she's able to fill it up from down low and, you know, get some rebounds and really be a force down there, we're going to be pretty solid. And I think uh, it's our game to lose, especially, you know, closing out the season with a homestand. It's going to be pretty solid. Yeah, I feel like uh, our the, str- the strong points for the women's team, just watching them play, is like, I feel like we score so much off of defensive turnovers and then into fast breaks. Mm-hmm. And then when it's not those fast breaks, it's just the perimeter shots, the three points. And I feel like if they can keep that consistent, just the defense to fast breaks, I don't see us losing to Michigan Tech. For yeah, sure. Yeah, that's a great observation. The points off turnovers has definitely been an emphasis on this team. Uh, I mean, especially on some of the previous games, uh, especially at home against Northwood, we were able to excel in that category. So being able to take defense to turn into offense, kind of like what we were just talking about with on the men's side as well, has been huge for this team. Defensively, this team has showed us a lot over this past second half of the season. We're starting to see lower opponent scores, and we're starting to see higher offensive scores, which is really good to see uh, here at the end 
end of the season being able to score and being able to turn defense into offense is going to be huge but transition game will be fun to watch because obviously tech might play they might try to play us faster than you never know i mean there's a lot that can happen between now and december 11th in game plan so definitely going to be something to watch but i mean they're going to be they're going to be really hungry because they're in a position right now where they're looking at and with that, there was a, what is it, 10, they're 10 and 7 right now in the conference. They're tied with Saginaw Valley, and Parkside's 12 and 7 at the four spot. So theoretically, they still have a chance to host, and uh, for the, at least for the quarters. But they, they could still fight for that spot, and that could give them a much more favorable matchup. But they're, they're still going to have something to play for, so they're going to come out steaming. I mean, we have saw what some teams have done with that, like Parkside ended up getting us at their place last week. So they're gonna, there's going to be some momentum to try, to try to get us while we're down a little bit. But if we play our game, we can be our, we're going to be all right. And, I mean, just being able to see what Coach Westendorf's team does here in March. Yeah, excited, especially with, you know, the GLIAC uh, tournament coming up. Uh, that one's going to be pretty solid. Not sure if we have – I think we'll maybe host, what, one, the opening round. Uh Early. Well, it'll be the the home team is the higher seed in the quarters, and yeah. then if the once the teams get to the semis, they take the high seed and they host semis and finals. So yeah, theoretically, so we'll Allendale. probably ho- yeah, but we'll probably host the first one, our first game. Yes, because our travel here, right? Yes, as of yeah. as of now, where the standings are now, if we were inevitably to be the three seed, we'd be playing Tech, ironically, mm. here at Wink next week, but. Saginaw Valley is also tied. Northwood's a game behind them, and Parkside could drop two in a row. So you never know with how hot they've been. They could, they could, you know, they could just fall off because we've seen that. We've seen that happen with our guys. So it's definitely possible. But need those good games, big tune-up opportunity, being able to hit those key shots and play well on your home floor. Great for both teams to bounce back after what they would consider probably sub-average performance on the road last week. Yeah, not the not the greatest performances, but you know that's what the that's what home courts are for. That's what the home fans are for. Getting behind you no matter what. So I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, we can hop in now onto the ice. The men's hockey team is going to be traveling to Northern Michigan, uh, all the way up to Marquette. That's going to be a good game for them. Hopefully the weather's not too bad, so that way the bus ride isn't super long. But this is a big game, uh, one that we can kind of get a little bit of momentum going into the CCHA playoffs. Uh, Northern is only a couple of points ahead of us. We are not really in. Uh, in a spot where we can catch them at all we're locked at the at the i think the seventh spot in the ccha but regardless i mean we almost beat northern earlier in the year so i think this is more of a pride game as well as you know just getting ready for uh, the postseason and these are two winnable games except you know at northern they got a great student section they got a great culture there so it's going to be two games where our guys got to really pick it up and i think we can get it up here if if we play the way we played against uh, tech, mix, yeah, tech this weekend. I don't see us losing. Like we we stayed with them. We had the lead into the third both times, and they both ended in a tie. But they're also a what ranked fourteenth in the yeah. nation at the time. They were ranked tenth. And Friday, 10th, yeah, yeah, Friday we lost three two, but uh, Saturday we tied, uh, or and then they won in the shootout. But like yeah, Michigan Tech is a much better team than Northern Michigan, and we out we outplayed them for at least four of the six periods. It's just the the two periods that they outplayed us were third period. So. Yeah, you could see in the box score. I mean, you have more goals than the other. You're outplaying the other team, right? Yeah. That's just that's just basic math. But no, I I agree. I mean, sucks. We're stuck at seven. I mean, that's kind of inevitable. We're gonna play the Huskies next week, regardless, or the first round of CCHA, I should say. But there's no reason to take this game as like oh 
whatever this this game we're just we're just rolling it over and we'll get tech next week there's a good reason to play well in this game because i mean we could foil northern michigan's plans because i mean they're sitting right now at 32 points after some big wins against bowling green who's at 33 points and also lake state who's at 33 points so there's a huge shuffle there and of course i mean we would love the best matchup if we ended up pulling off the upset against the huskies gonna face off against either possibly bemidji and then we could play Bowling Green, if that gets flipped, and we've beaten Bowling Green, right? So now you're looking at favorable matchups that we would prefer in that scenario. But there's definitely going to be one thing for sure. This is probably going to turn into who can score the most. That's the way that the first matchups went at home, and Northern Michigan's played that way all season long. They've actually allowed more goals than us this season, but they have scored more. So it's going to be interesting to see. But in reality, I think it, they're going to be good games, but I think Kyle's right. I mean, if we play like we did at Tech, I mean, there should be no there should be no reason we can't beat this team. I mean, we played so well last week, and I mean, Northern they're coming off of they're coming off some good wins, but I mean, it it can be it can be different going from a road stand back to a home stand. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust, and I mean, I'm really excited to see if this offense can stay hot because they they really came in clutch against Tech. It's just the better offense overall prevailed. Yeah, the one thing, too, is just like the defense. I think we've got to pick it up a little bit. Northern Michigan doesn't have quite the same offensive scheme as Michigan Tech does. Uh, they're not really a give-and-go type team. They're more of like the uh, you know power it down into our zone, get set up. We Kind of what we do, just they're better at it. I guess they don't really dump and chase. They're more of just like bringing around the back. and Speed kind of, sets, yeah. Yeah, speed sets. And I think that's the one thing that our defense can kind of shut down a little bit better because although, uh, you know, when – when the puck gets moved around, we kind of seem to lose it a little bit. Uh, we aren't able to really kind of cut down on those fast break or those fast breaks and those breakaways that we really haven't been seeing too much uh, when we're at home. So that's the one thing that we can really look forward to. But you know, these two games pretty pretty pivotal for Northern Michigan in their standings. They're going to be trying to win too. So I mean, two teams really want to win it. We'll see who comes out on top at the end of the weekend. Yeah, I've noticed that Ferris is very good at the putting a rebounds. Mm-hmm. Off of long shots, either short shots, it doesn't matter. Just there's always somebody stand, standing there ready to put the puck in as soon as it knocks off the yeah. goalie. We've cleaned up the garbage a lot. The one thing though that we definitely gotta have is someone on the backside on the back door. Yeah, because there's been multiple times where the puck has just kind of been squibbling yes. out past the past the pad, but we got nobody on the back post. And I think if we're able to put somebody there or get somebody to just really dive for it or something, we're gonna be pretty solid there. But like I said, we haven't been really doing that all year. But every time we have had somebody sit there, there's been a goal. So hopefully Coach Daniels and the and the boys will be able to figure that out and really shock, shock Northern Michigan up at home and come back and get ready for uh, Minnesota Michigan Tech. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be big. And, I mean, really, it's we're in the spot now. Time to go, right? And it's it's really now or never. I'm looking into next week, so... It's going to be a tough match because, I mean, Northern's obviously going to be a good team, but the way we're playing, we're, we're sitting at a good spot. I feel like if we were, if we knew we were coming into this game with a loss, like this is probably the best-case scenario where you'd come in playing yeah. so hardly and so well against a Tech team that's number two in this conference, number, what, 14 in the country. So yeah. we're coming in on a good spot. Hopefully we can roll this over and kind of break this road root losing streak, get back to the way we played at Bemidji, and silence out the crowd and play our game and get two wins. That would be huge for confidence going mm-hmm. into next weekend. And some pretty heavy comp 
uh, pretty heavy implications for the teams that might be losing this uh, week. Bowling Green is going to be flying up to the Sioux uh, to take on Lake Superior State. So those two teams, uh, whoever loses really is going to basically give Northern a chance to jump up in the standings. So this is kind of the, it's a worst case scenario for both teams. They probably didn't want to be facing each other at this point. But if they're if either team's able to get the sweep, then they uh, you know have a lock on who's going to be hosting uh, at least the first round uh, for their place. But then Minnesota State's going to be going to uh, across the dairy land of America. They're going to be going across Wisconsin over to Michigan Tech. Uh, they're going to be taking them on. Michigan Tech's going to try to win that one because uh, you know the Mavericks are already outright, but you know Huskies kind of wanted to win that one. So we'll see what happens there. And then Bemidji is going to be hosting St. Thomas, and St. Thomas is probably going to be wanting to get one win to close out the season or the regular season before they had a uh, conference tournament play. Not sure if they'll be able to do that, but Bemidji's got a little bit riding on the line because if you know if there's a sweep or if there's by chance a uh, split, we'll see what happens. If they slip, that's a worse worst case scenario going into possibly f- falling down to a four seed uh, against St. Thomas, and then you have a team hypothetically either Lake Superior State, Bowling Green, whoever wins there gets pushed up. Now you're now you're going to be playing one of those two teams. That's mad that they weren't able to get the wins on the last weekend and fall into that road category that are going to come in even more motivated than possibly the other way around. So, And now, then you also have the, I mean, obviously we're not going to plan on this happening, but I mean, you could also have Northern Michigan flip up if they got one against us. But obviously mm-hmm. we would love to keep them at 32 and stick them there after the regular season. So yeah. it's going to be fun. All the coverage will be online, live stats and more, as well as Harrison Watts, Scott Kendra on the call. It'll be a fun weekend of hockey up there in Marquette. But uh, finally, moving out in the Ferris State Sports Report, uh, track and field, shout out my Tomas crew. We're going to be at Allendale Saturday, Sunday, GLIAC Championships. going to be fun. The fastest of the fastest will be in action. And it's going to be a quick weekend. I mean, going to be a lot of good, a lot of good things hoping to see, a lot of high team scores. And you're running this fun. weekend? I'll be in the 3K Sunday. Yes, sir. So Run fast. We somehow snuck in. Sprint the whole way. Yep. Sprint and then sprint and then sprint some more. Yep. Is this Start. your last race before so, you got uh before you can finally get outside? This will be the last indoor race, and then we'll be back in outdoor late. How March. much of a, yeah, I was gonna say how much of off season is that like one or two weeks? Uh, from running or from I racing? I mean, just like racing. I mean, there's no off season because you're training, but like a month basically. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have a couple. <laughs> we'll have a couple days, almost a week. You guys um, open in Kentucky? Uh, we'll be in Kentucky or East Lansing. We don't know yet. Mm. Yeah, Stay I could imagine for that. I'm gonna say Kentucky is probably sounding even better because weather right now these past yeah. couple weeks, especially by March, you have no clue what's gonna happen. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm assuming we'll have we'll have split squads, so there will be some that travel to one and some travel to the other. That's why we have the both. Yeah. So it'll be good for everybody to get back into their level of competition wherever they have, especially for some that have been injured uh, over indoor that are rehabbing and are planning to go to outdoor that they'll have some. Some better, some better quality races for them on their first races back um, for that as well. So they're going to be fun this weekend. Softball is uh, going to be in action. They're actually going to be playing tonight. They're going to be playing uh, two games. They're going to have Ursuline and McKendry tonight over at the Lewis Dome Invitational near Chicago. And then they'll have a couple games on Saturday um, as well. As um, Do they play on Sunday as well? No, they do not. But tennis Mm-mm. plays on Sunday. Shout out to them. Yep, you're covering that one, aren't you? Uh, I am. I'll be question mark. That'll be a blast. I guess I might want to find out if I am. I thought that was Jeffrey, actually. I thought Jeff was doing women's basketball. 
Either way, we'll figure it out. Oh, I don't know. I'm doing men's basketball, so at least I know that. Well, looks like we got some figuring out to do. <laughs> but anyway, all the stuff will be online at FerrisStateBulldogs.com. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, was Juwan Howard's suspension worth it? Stay tuned. Over the past two years, this show has changed a lot. But one thing that has always stayed the same is our podcast platform and distributor. Anchor.fm is the one-stop shop to create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all for free. There's built-in uploading options and editing tools that you can make and create and publish your episodes with ease and have all sorts of exclusive options as well as sponsorships, subscriptions, and even monetized ads as well. You can have all the analytics, all the insights to make your show number one. So if you're thinking about making a podcast, look first at Anchor by Spotify. That's anchor.fm. And we're back from our quick break that we had to take. Got to go to the bathroom, fill up a water bottle. You know how it is. Maybe chat a little bit before we hop into the second half of the show. But we're going to hop into some more college basketball. The Juwan Howard situation. Michigan versus Wisconsin. Juwan Howard threw a punch post game. Hate to see it. But then there's some other stuff that we got to talk about. A Wisconsin coach doing a little bit of a chop block. I mean, who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? We got a lot to talk about, fellas. Brandon, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so, uh, I mean... First of all, as Michigan fans, of course, everyone's going to take to bias to this. I'm going to try to not be biased on this situation. Cause I do think that Juwan Howard deserved to be suspended. I don't think anybody can argue about that. Yeah, if you throw a punch. Like... Yeah, you, he threw a punch. And, I mean, with everything that's kind of been instigated already, some of the other incidents he's had this year uh, definitely can result in that suspension. I think the five games I think the five games is good. Uh, I think that I think that's kind of the, the reasonable for uh, that, that whole scenario because I don't think he was necessary. I mean, it wasn't like a brawl or anything. I mean... I mean, really, shout out to everybody that stopped that situation because, I mean, when you got a coach that is getting into it with another coach, that's almost like as um as like players, you're like, oh okay, this this is real. Like we're gonna we're gonna get in, we're gonna get into a fight. Like I heard on the Pac McAfee show, it's like your coach gets in, pff, green light, start throwing haymakers. That's 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 the kind of the what you're waiting for in those scenarios. But I mean, they they kept it calm for a little bit. Uh, I mean, a couple suspensions, obviously, with, like, Diabate got a game. Terrence Williams got a game. I think it was uh, Neath for Wisconsin got a game. Uh, and then, obviously, five games. And a, what was it, 40K, I think, was the number that Juwan got. And then Greg Gard got a $10,000 fine with no suspension. Uh, I mean, I definitely would say that, I mean, both both teams, you could definitely say unprofessional is yeah. definitely a word for how this got out of hand for such a simple scenario. So the people that don't know. It was all regarding him to take a timeout with 12 seconds left because, according to Greg Gard, he didn't want his he didn't want his second team guys to get the 10 second call. Which also apparently there's a rumor that the referee told him to take a timeout. I'm not gonna get into that scenario because that's way too far out there. And boy, is that gonna be messed up if that was true. But they took the timeout. Howard obviously hates it, right? Because they're down double digits, 12 seconds to go, end the game. Let's go. Let's move on. But they take the timeout. Juwan's not happy. They want to go through the line. Juwan and them finally meet at the end. And it looked to me like Juwan wasn't necessarily looking to have the conversation with him. Yeah, more of just, like, more just like a good game. See you later. Yeah, yeah like he kind of started wanna, it. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. And it does look like Greg Gard Grab went out to grab him and to confront him about the situation, which 
I mean, I understand his point of view of like, hey, I want to tell you what I was going through, right? I'm not trying to excuse you guys, which obviously we know Juwan, we know Juwan's background and the, the way that he played back, you know, in the 90s, right? That was not necessarily what they were thinking back in those days as far as how you were you were with opponents, right? Like trash talk, you know, we're going to let our play do the talking, but we'll let you know afterwards in the parking lot, right? So he's kind of in that mode of, yeah, we, I'm not going to talk to you about this. Like, or we can sell this another time. But when you're going to confront me, I'm not going to back down. Which yeah. I mean, you should be you should be happy about as a Michigan player, right? I mean, every dude. I mean, yesterday's game obviously would get into Rutgers, where they all wore the black socks and the black shoes. Was for Juwan, right? The Fab Five. He was for him for not being there. So that was kind of interesting. But when you have that scenario of them stopping him, and then obviously they're getting into the words, and then here comes the assistant that's been chirping all game. That and then he gets into it, and that was obviously the one that Juan swung at, or swung, I should say. It wasn't really a punch; it was more kind of yeah, like kind of more of like come a, here, I'm gonna grab you. Turns into a half half just slap. That his hand is so thing. big that it literally took up the whole side of his face. Yeah, well, like a so face like, wash. I think he was more trying to just like yeah push his face away, but like he got pushed while he did it, so it kind of like it was like kind of like a slap. But I think yeah, he was trying to like face wash and push him away or whatever, because like. That was constant coaching staff. I think when that all went down, I'm not trying to like be biased. I don't think they handled that very well because with that assistant then kind of talking to him and then the other no-name assistant that did the crotch chop. Jim uh, Snyder. Yeah, That's that his guy. name. He's the strength and conditioning coach. What example are you setting in yeah, that what? scenario? Yeah, it's like there's a, there's a point where like, yeah, you can be behind your coach and like get behind him and, you know, not make it so that way he's getting pushed around or anything. You got to defend him. But like, you know, when you have all that, all those people and all those eyes on you in a packed Wisconsin gym, like, that's not great. Especially now you're getting caught on camera and you're doing a chop block to other, like, to another team. Like, I'm all for, like, trash talk and being able to, like, you know, leave it on the floor or whatever. But that's just, unprof- like, that's just very inappropriate and unprofessional. Before that whole incident, if you look at it from the fans' perspective, it's Michigan's fault. Yeah. But as soon as you make examples like that, you guys are both at fault yeah, a little and bit. As, and as soon as you watch it over, it's like, you know, Wisconsin's coach grabbed you on in the line. Not like viciously. He just like grabbed his arm and kind of pulled him a little bit. And then I think that's what Joan was mad about. I was like, I don't want to talk to you right now. And then when that happened, like, it's like, all right, let's go. Like, I'm not going to back. Like you said, Brandon, he's not going to back down. I mean, Juwan's part of the Fab Five. He's part of the 90s NBA. That's like the hardest. 90s NBA is probably the toughest Anybody's ever played basketball? Yes, thank you. Agreed. So, like when you're when you're going up against Juwan Howard, you know that, and if especially in a tense situation like that, could have been handled a lot better on both sides. But I mean, adrenaline's running, and like you know, you just won against a Michigan team who is a little bit lesser than what they have been, and you know, Wisconsin's actually pretty good this year. So like it, and then you got a huge home crowd that's like revving it up a little bit. So there's that, but. You know, could have been handled a lot better, but also adrenaline's pumping, so you can't really blame it on that. You can blame it on them, but like also you gotta like understand like when you have those type of situations, it's tough to know what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, when, like you got all that stuff going on. I like here's the thing. I know what Juwan did, right? I know exactly, and he deserves to be suspended. I will say as a Michigan fan, like that's unprofessional. All right, you gotta keep your cool, and he hasn't done that. And he needs to have he needs to have that little wake up call. What Greg Gard not getting suspended? Okay, that's that's fine. I mean, you would probably only give him a game if that. And really, what he did, he instigated the scenario. But you know, yeah, I mean, obviously, 
what else what else would you have done in that scenario that would have not escalated the situation you, you don't know right i mean i i don't have that a problem with him not being suspended what i do have a problem with is we got the assistant coaches out here that are instigating half her half of this stuff because he wasn't going after guard in that whole punching scenario it was an assistant that wouldn't shut his mouth about it yeah and he would not stop and then you got the strength and conditioning coach who's also almost, I'm pretty sure it's in their job description to try to prevent these issues. Yeah. Throwing a crotch chop at the entire team as they walk away because they think that it's all over and that's just kind of, you know, suck it, move on, and you guys suck, right? Kind of a thing. And it's like, yeah, what is that supposed to mean? Like, what does that represent to anything of this scenario? Like, that just makes you look worse, honestly. That just made me lose respect for Wisconsin even more because, I mean, they played a good game. They beat us. They already beat us. That's that's fine. I mean, they're a great team. They're 13 in the country. Johnny Davis has been great. That team is phenomenal. But when you have that sort of stuff coming on on the side, now it's like, what do we respect you as a team now? Like, yeah, you're a good basketball team, but some of the things that you did, and I'm not saying Michigan's not that way either. I mean, we, we've shown that we have we play with some emotion. That's that's fine. And I totally, I don't have a problem with either team showing that, but the way that this whole thing came about just was so, just unprofessional for both sides. And it, it was really a shame. And it was just, I just, I don't have a problem with the coaches, like the punishments there. I just have a problem with, you know what, the assistants get a, a slap on the wrist who really instigated the entire mm-hmm. media presence of this situation. Because we know Howard swung, but there was more that went out than just that. That's yeah. my problem. You got to be the bigger man. Yes. And I think when you look at like, everybody needs especially to be. with the, Especially with the timeout situation. Like, if I was that, if I was a coach in that situation and my bench players were about to get a, you know, uh, eight second penalty or whatever, or a 10 second penalty or whatever it's going to be, I would let them get it. Because then it's a le- it's them to understand like I got a lot to work on. No wonder I'm a bench player because I can't get across. I can't beat a press and I can't get across the half uh, when I get in. Like that's the one thing that like I feel like sparing his players' feelings to the point where like they don't get a turnover put on them is like I would just be like, well, that sucks. Get better at the game. I don't know. Like that that that's like what I would. That's what I always think with like people who you know are a little bit or like when. They get like bailout, I guess, with some type of when things in sports. Like, I don't think like you should get bailed out. Like, you should just take it off the chin and get better at the game. And I mean, you're a D1 basketball player. Like, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't get caught behind the line. Like, unless the unless the press is like locked down. And Michigan's press has not been locked down all season. It's just because they were a little bit less prepared. And I think, especially with the time on the clock and the coach calling the timeout, he should understand why why Juwan's mad and why he doesn't want to talk to him. And I think when you go up to a guy who's a foot taller than you and you grab him firmly by the arm and pull him a little bit to, like, stop from passing you, you know that something's going to happen. He's not going to, like, sit back or whatever because Juwan's a competitor. All of Michigan's are competitor, and everybody in D1 sports are competitors. They want to win. So when they lose, they got a bad taste in their mouth. It's not like you're going to – people can say, like, oh, you can lose in grace, but, like, losing sucks. Like, yeah. losing is not fun. So why would you try to, like, prolong that for people who are, you know, trying to deal with that? When you are building a fire, right, do you move the firewood when it's flamed or when it's cooled off in coals? Cooled off. Right? That's the whole premise of this scenario, right? Why are we confronting in the handshake line? Yeah, like, can when they, the flames are still burning. Yeah, everybody's still tense from that moment. You could to, you could 100% see the last 25 seconds. Like He, he knows what he's doing. You know what he should have done? Oh, sorry, not to cut you off. You only should have done was just reach out to Michigan, like, or whatever, got Juwan's number, or called Juwan, like, after, like, 
the game the day after two days after and like apologize or then talk it over so that way people have time to you know process it and stuff like that it's the same thing like when my dad would always say to like the the dads at like my high school and they get angry that the coaches aren't playing and like they go up after the game to go confront the coach it's like my dad would say write a letter or write a text don't send it till tomorrow morning and if you really still feel this way then send it don't don't say it when you're still angry because that's just stupid like a professional Exactly. That's, that's the only. That's what would have made the situation better because the fact that they did it right then, right now, both mm-hmm. ways was totally uncalled for. They they both should have known better. Everybody should have known better in that scenario. No matter if you were fined, if you were suspended or not, everybody was at fault in that scenario. So mm. this might be the fire though that Michigan needed to really pick it up though. Yeah. I was just about to get in there. Like I agree with the suspension and everything, but as a player, I feel like senior coach. Those get are the coaches up. you want to play for. Like. That's like the Mike Variable. That's like the new uh, Campbell. Like Dan you want to, you want to, you want to play with them. Like you want to play for them. If they get more fired up than the team, especially going into the tournament, like I feel like this could be a potential, like a fire lit under them that gets them going for the tournament yeah. and just makes them play for their coach and for the city and everything. I yeah. mean, if you see Wisconsin, if we see Wisconsin in the Big Ten tournament, you know that like it's gonna be no holds barred. <laughs> TV like, it's ratings crazy. go. Yeah, <laughs> through the entire roof. But no, you're right. I mean, this inspired the team, especially last night on Wednesday when we ended up beating Rutgers. Who, I mean, Rutgers is Rutgers to everybody's public mind. But this team, 16 and 11, has beaten what four top 10 teams this year at upset, especially them in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. So this is a legit team without Juwan, without Moose, without uh, Terrence. We still ended up getting a nine-point win with Martelli, and we had some guys. Caleb Houston played phenomenal. We finally waited to see that guy play out of his mind at 21 points. Those are the things that you really look for as far as a boost. When you're 15 and 11, you're wrote down and out, right, where I think we're the first four out in bracketology. We're in the first last four in, first four out. We're in the bubble, flipping back and forth. Need to make that stretch to get up and over. And, I mean, this is going to be the stretch to do it, like looking at the, the Wolverine schedule ahead because – no easy games down the stretch. Yes, we are at home, so it does make it a lot more appealing when we got Illinois, we got Michigan State, we got Iowa and Ohio State, two of those teams, or three of those teams in the top 25 as of now, and then Sparty, of course. So these are tough games, but these are games that you can make that run and you can get forward into the rankings. And it's definitely a scenario that you're like, you're looking down the stretch and it's like, now we're playing well, and now we're playing the best teams that are available. So this is now this is the time to go if you want to make you want to be playing in March. Yeah, yeah. I personally sure. believe that what tournaments anyone's game you can be the worst team, beat the best. I mean, it, it's it's the odds. We are, saw we saw that with UMBC a couple of years ago against Virginia. Exactly, like happened now. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michigan go in there numbers. and upset, 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 and eventually they could be considered one of the best in the tournament. Mm-hmm. It just all depends. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. And, I mean, the way the Big Ten's kind of shaping out, only a couple more weeks left for them on regular season. Like, Purdue's kind of rocking at the top. I mean, they're tied with Wisconsin. So, like, that win, I think, uh, against Michigan kind of put them up there a little bit. But, like, there's a lot of teams that, like, I've seen play pretty solid that can really shake it up. I mean, Michigan State has a chance to really do something well uh, when they play some of these higher teams. I mean, Rutgers, they just lost to Michigan, so that kind of throws a wrench in what they're dealing with. I mean, you got the teams down low like Nebraska, Minnesota, and like Penn State and stuff, but those teams can really upset. I mean, if Indiana, I think Indiana plays Purdue one more time, that rivalry game runs deep. I know that that's not, like, records go out the window with that one. Like, when you're playing because you hate the other team, 
like you unlock a whole different thing and a whole different gear when you go to play. So uh, Big Ten's gonna be looking pretty solid uh, for these next couple weeks or for these next one or two weeks. I think that the regular season is coming to an end, so I'm pretty excited for that. But yeah, I mean, you look at the teams at the top. I mean, Wisconsin is now tied with Purdue. I know everybody in college basketball would agree Purdue is a better team uh, regardless of the rankings so and then you obviously have Illinois who can be one of the top five teams in the country if they play at their at their level or when they play down and lose to unranked teams I mean that's happened all year long and then I mean you got a lot of these gritty teams I mean Rutgers is one that we just beat uh, and then you got Ohio State and Iowa who are are just inside the top 25 I think Ohio State's 22 right now Iowa's 25 uh, I personally see uh, Michigan State as a bigger threat than Iowa I don't think Iowa's not necessarily a top 25 team personally I think they're a great team I don't think they're one of the top 25 teams right now at 9-7 and seven, I'm more worried about Michigan State especially that they're going to be due for uh, being what I think they're like lost like four their last six or something like that I mean they've been on a little bit of a struggle I think they've lost three in a row so they're in a, in a spot where like everybody's kind of sleeping on them I mean that team's pretty good so I would be more worried about them than necessarily Iowa or Ohio State because I mean we we beat Iowa pretty well uh, when we played them the first time in Iowa as well so now we're going to have them at home so I'm looking forward to that but I mean there's going to be a lot of shakeups going down the stretch especially with a lot of these team these top teams playing each other but I think right now Purdue has to be the front runner. Uh, I think Wisconsin can be one of those teams. I don't know if they're going to win the conference, but I mean, respectfully, I think they could be one of those teams that can spoil plans in March as a four or five seed, wherever they end up. I think they could be one that you could be like, yeah, this team gets a stretch run. I mean, we saw it a couple years ago uh, when they when they had Bronson Koenig beat the number one seed at Xavier as an eight seed. You can see that kind of happening again, but at a much higher seed. And I think this is going to be a really interesting Big Ten tournament down the stretch to see what big guys show up. Because we got a lot of big-name players. Kofi Coburn for Illinois. We got uh, Johnny Davis for Wisconsin. I mean, you got, um, you know, I guess you could put Frederick in there from Iowa as a big-game player. C.J. Liddell for Ohio State. Which one of those guys are going to show up and put their team to victory? It's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's some other uh, conferences, too, that are kind of shaking up a little bit. Uh, I mean, at the ACC with Duke, Notre Dame, and UNC, they're playing really solid. Uh, I know UNC and uh, Notre Dame, aren't they in the top 25 as well? Uh, so they're pretty uh, – that conference is looking uh, pretty solid to look for. And, I mean, there's a lot of other teams, too, that are pretty exciting to watch, especially with the later in the season. If Gonzaga can finish out well, they're basically – I think they're basically a lock for – Number one in the in the tournament just kind of depends on how they do with their conference tournament. I mean Auburn is still rolling. I thought Auburn was kind of going to fall off a little bit, but twenty five and three you can't really debate with that at all. But there's a lot of teams that I think could really shake some stuff up. I mean Baylor's not playing as well as they were last year, but defending chance. I mean what do you, what can you say about that? So uh, there's some. I mean, Texas Tech as well. They've been rolling a little bit. Their home atmosphere is ridiculous. Uh, when they have when they host conference play, I think they're going to be doing pretty solid there. And then, I mean, the Big Ten teams, like you said already, Murray State's making a return to the top 25. They're 19th right now. So, you know, there's there's some teams that are making some surprising surprising runs and some teams who are playing a little bit less than what we thought they were going to do at the start of the year. But, like you said, once conference tournament rolls around, it's no holds barred, 0-0, winning, you're going home. And I when I watch college basketball in the tournament in the past couple of years there's just these teams that are known for stepping it up in the tournament like they just play at a different level like i know michigan state always they always They're step a tournament up team yeah They're they a big tournament team outside of the one year yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. they just they just step it up another level and a lot of teams are like that like duke north carolina like all these teams 
uh, and Gonzaga in the past couple of years. They've all been just stepping up their game as soon as mm-hmm. tournament hits and they go on these runs. Yeah. And, I mean, Gonzaga's been kind of the one team that's like a little bit bad when it comes to tournament time. Like they used to always get knocked out on Sweet 16 Elite Eight. But these past couple of times that they've been there, they've been kind of a new breed of teams. And I think the Bulldogs there are going to be doing pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, they're going to run away with the, the West Coast Conference for sure. I mean, St. Mary's is, uh, is a good team, but I don't think they're going to they're gonna catch Gonzaga anytime soon. But, I mean, I think the, the one conference you can definitely see as being interesting to shake out is, uh, I think you would have to say is the SEC, right, with Auburn and Kentucky, both two top six teams. Uh, Joe mentioned Auburn at number three right now. Then you got these, these other teams that are, are scrapping their way through a lot of good teams. I mean, Alabama has a, has a winning record against the AP poll teams. And you got Tennessee. And then you got Arkansas, who's been phenomenal at home this year. So I, there's a lot of interesting shakeup there. And all those teams are pretty much within two games of each other going down the stretch. So, I mean, you got three, you got four top 20 teams within two games of each other in one conference down down the stretch before the tournament. That's going to be so fun to watch. Uh, I mean, the Pac-12 is also one that I'll be I'll be kind of tuning into to see if UCLA can kind of bounce back after their little stretch. They've won three in a row, but, I mean, Arizona looks red hot, and they're number two in the country for a reason, so will they be caught? But I think there's a lot to look forward to, and, I mean, you see a lot of these big-name players as well that are making their names, um, especially for, like, the Jaden Ivey, the Paul Benchero for Duke, uh, Chet Holmgren for Gonzaga, those guys, how they're going to play in this upcoming tournament because I think now with – I think it's going to be interesting to see now when we see with commitments, especially going to the NFL – or the NFL, ha-ha, NBA, NBA draft. Thank you, Joe. Uh, with now the new NAL and NIL deals that are going to be going down. Will that have players stay another year to potentially make more money and boost their stock? I mean, what, what would you say like with Jaden Ivey, right? You have yeah. him as what probably a first late first round guy. Does he stay another year and move up into a lottery pick spot? I mean, that's kind of what you're looking at right now with some of these teams that are pretty much a shoo-in easily for a top one or two seed right now with like Purdue in the tournament. And then they got these big name players that are not necessarily given the same look as a lot of these other guys. Because I mean, like Oshibwe is definitely going to be a top pick for what he's done this year at Kansas. So. That that's like a pretty instant, you know. He he's probably gonna go right. He's in the later part of his college career. It seems like as of now. But then you got those other guys that you're like, man, if he stays, it's like the Jalen Suggs of last year. What would happen if Jalen Suggs would have stayed one more year? He'd probably be the number one pick right now. That's yeah. just the way it is. Probably, yeah. yeah, he didn't. He'd definitely be more ready for the NBA than he is right now. But then you also got to look at injuries. You never know. Stay another year. You could get injured. You could yeah. just lose all your draft stock right there. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know. It's a little bit of both. I've never really – oh, I just dropped some. I've never really been a fan of, like, the one and dones, kind of like on any level uh, because, like, I feel like it kind of defeats the purpose of, like, what college sports is all about. Put you yourself know? in that position, though. I know. Think that's a, you that's can go, the thing. You that's can go the make thing. money for a living. That's the thing. Like, I'm not, like, that good of an athlete where I could, like – where, like, I can kind of weigh in on that situation. But, I mean, as a fan looking at it, like, I don't know. I think, co- like, college athletes or whatever, sh- I don't know. It's a little bit of both because, like, beginning of the degree is, like, the safer thing, but also, like, an extra year. Like, if, like, you might be a late first-round pick and stuff like that, I don't know. It's a little bit of both. Like, you don't really know what's going to happen to them, but you also, like, want them to stay another year. But I've never really been a fan of the one and done, so I don't know. Like yeah. I said, though, I'm not a student athlete, so I can't really – Weigh in yeah. heavily on the situation. Like yeah, the ba- the basis of really what a lot of the decision comes down to is what's your what's your ultra goal in life, 
and what is what is your desired outcome of being in college right is it a degree is it a national championship or is it just a stepping stone that's that's i think what it comes down to mentally with a lot of these a lot of these players and you look at the scenario that they're put in especially half the times that we don't understand right someone someone comes down says yeah here's a here's literally like a cartoon like 20 pound bag of money's dropped on your kitchen yeah. table right are you just going to be like well i'll take it 2 years from now or yeah. uh, I mean, so you, you maybe can lose next that, week. That, you can no, lose that a, chance, though. What happens, thing, right? That's where a lot of the people that you see go to the draft. And I mean, especially you're like, stay one more year. What are you doing? Like you're gonna, you're gonna. It's like, yeah, there's an like, opportunity. Or if like you don't problem, take it, it's not gonna be there. I feel like the problem is there's a lot of players who can really develop and become a way better basketball player in college and stuff, but they get so tunnel visioned on that chance of money that it's like the it's like they give or take. Like, yeah, you can have you know, this $3 million signing bonus right now. And, you know, of course, like you could, if you play your cards right and you get that $3 million, you can live off that for the rest of your life if you invest it properly and all that stuff. But if you want to have a 10-year career in the NBA, 10, 12, 15-year career in the NBA, you you should stay like one or two years just to get a little, one or two years extra just to get a little bit better and get a little bit more experience with those situations. But like I said, if I had to get faced with that decision... I don't know what I choose. I got a small example for you. So, Zion. Yeah. Imagine he stays another year or another two more years at uh, Duke. Yeah. Right now he's hurt after his what first or second season in NBA. He has surgery. He hasn't and played a couple in of a chickens deep. Yeah, he hasn't played in a year, a year <laughs> or two. Like, if he would have stayed and he got that injury in college, he might have never got drafted number one. He might never made the number one paycheck. Mm-hmm. Never got that shoe deal from Nike. Like he could have missed out on millions yeah. for staying. I think, I think though, when you look at it, like Zion Williamson in college was an NBA level talent. Like you could definitely tell he was. Oh yeah, for sure. Ready to play, and when he got to the NBA, he showed out. Like he was. Yeah. He really played well. But I'm talking about these some of these players who are like who go maybe two years and then declare and then they're a late first round or like a late second round. They've been bounced around the G League and, you know, they are out of the league without making more than, you know, a million dollars over a four-year G League career, you know, or something like that, or even less than that. And then if you just stayed one more year in college, then you would have been able to really play a lot better. However, you know, there's guys who are, you know, fifth-year seniors, fourth-year seniors who then decided to declare for the NBA, like Luca Garza, who has, you know, made a couple of appearances on the Pistons so far, but he's been in the G League so far and I mean there's stuff like that where you know you just gotta I feel like it's more the self-aware part of it where players gotta understand like am I ready for the NBA and I think when you see that money and you get like the the wide eyes with the dollar signs in your in your pupils then you get a little bit blinded by it but I don't know that's the one thing for me it's like I don't really have a problem I have a problem but I don't have the problem with the one and done as long as they understand like I'm ready for it, and I can actually like be prepared for it because I feel like the safer the safer route is making sure that you can secure a long career in the in the league rather than just uh, try to get a quick money out of three years and then try to play your cards right with that. Yeah, the problem with that is the NBA sees the G League as well. If you're gonna play playing in college, like half these half these college players aren't gonna play in the NBA. Like all these G Leaguers are gonna probably make an appearance in the NBA. So why not prep there? That's yeah. what that's what they're trying to do with these big contracts, and that was what the the overtime league was supposed to kind of resemble, and how that situation turned out. Kind of, ex, kind of, I think it's what is percept or perceived as what the G League was trying to or is is becoming. That is, but it's not at 
a high time level yet of like, yeah, people are going to go watch G League games, right? Like we're going to go watch, we're going to watch Saban and Livers all play at Motor City. It's like, yeah, but I think it's no. Yeah. Would you go watch them if they were still playing at Chrysler or if they were still playing at Vin- Yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's the big difference of the perception of those the two only, areas. The only time people really watch G League or like even like minor league baseball or like, you know, the lower level of a lot of things is when like you don't have it close. Like for us growing up, like Grand Rapids was a stone throw away. Like I was, what, an hour drive for you? It was about an hour and a half. It was only like. 25 minutes down the road for me so I'd you know go to Grand Rapids drive games every once in a while I'd see these G League players but like the only reason that you'd go watch those guys is because like you don't want to drive the three hours to Detroit exactly and like the Whitecaps have had great like, they have had great prospects. Verlander's yeah. played there. Watch, Brandon Inge when he was so you can in the you league, can watch players there. that could be stars in the next couple of years. And yeah, that's, Tor- that's for I saw any Torkelson level, play a couple of years. I watched Torkelson be, hit yeah. two bombs in one he game. He should be if they get out of this uh, whole lockdown. He might get pulled up this year finally yeah. and make a big uh, I think a big push yeah. for the Tigers. I think it's a little bit of both. Like if you want to go one and done and you want to make the journey where you grind out a couple of years in the G League and then start playing the NBA, then go for it. But then also it's like the G League is a step above college still. So like you're still putting your body through a lot more stress, I guess. So it's the same. I don't know. What about LaMelo's route overseas? I think, that's that a, I, think that's a, I think that's a viable option. G I mean, League though? Wouldn't that be? I mean, they're getting paid I, way more overseas. I think they're, I think they're, it's the same as like a, I don't know. I wouldn't say a high level college team, but like it's in between high level college and G League. I don't think that the teams over there are as good. I don't either. But they're not. As they they could definitely beat college teams like they they're probably better than the best college team, but they're not as good as G League teams. I I I don't know. I feel like they just don't grow up. Like the majority of the players over there haven't grown up playing. Yeah. But then I also just thought of it at this moment. Like I guess they could all come from areas where they play from growing up. Like half of those teams over overseas are probably from the U.S. That have played basketball and just they go over there and then they get paid the big bucks and then they come to the NBA like Lamelo Ball did. I mean Lamelo, I guess if you look at him as like an experiment, he's proven to be an All Star this year. He's yeah. proven to it's given, play it's, at the highest level. It's it's given proof that there's other ways to get to the NBA. But like to go back to the one and done thing, it's like I don't know. The one and done thing is weird because you have some people who are for it, some people who aren't for it, and you know. There's cases where it does work, cases where it doesn't work. It's an ipso facto type thing. It's like the take it or leave it. I don't know. I, I've said I said it should, already. Should, I've they said be, already. should they be allowed to go from high school to the NBA again? Yeah. Oh, so that that's the same thing. That's even worse well, than one saying, and done. I'm just saying. I'm just saying is like we've seen. I I might not agree with it, but I'd say like you can do it because we've seen it before and we've seen players who are. Really, I mean, LeBron, Kobe, Tracy McGrady, Sean Livingston, Sean Livingston. A lot of those guys who just went from high school to the NBA. I might not. It's the same thing. If you think you're ready for it, then go for it. But if you don't think you're ready to go from high school to the NBA or one and done in college to the NBA, then develop another year and then get ready. Take the risk. I don't think you're gonna be. I, I don't know, because it's the same thing. It's like you could say, I'm going to go to the league, and then you could have a Gordon Hayward type thing where you snap your ankle in half. And if it was something a little bit different, then Gordon Hayward might not be playing anymore. So, like, you're taking every time. That's why the thing is, like, if you take another year in college and people say, well, you could get risk injured, you could risk injury just by walking out of your house every day. Yeah, everything's Check a risk. Yesterday would have fell out on my way to the car. Exactly. That's exactly. the one thing. It's like there's <laughs> no see. there's no guarantee that you're safe, right? So, like, I don't know. It's the same thing. 
Well, yeah, and that's but that's the now it's the flip analysis mindset of well, yeah, there's the risk there, and now so that I should go now. Like I, I shouldn't like even if I'm not ready, I should still go. I should secure the bag. I should develop. I should be able to do all these things at the highest level to get there, because then they're saying, well, that's the most direct way, right? Yeah. It's like, why do I have to do? Why do I have to play two years in college? Why do I have to play two years overseas to get noticed? Why do I have to go to the G League and all these things to now where you have that direct route? And not only does college sports lose its its images, but so do the other de- developmental leagues because now they're seen as quote unquote more important. But now you have some t- some players that are saying like, well, I I mean I guess if I would have played, I would have played college over the G League. And then it's like, wait, but that's what you just did, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah college basketball is great, and it's like no, now you're not going anymore. So now that brings the scenario of how much is the risk seen at the outcome, and I think that's where you're getting at, Joe, of where. You're, the point that you're making is... If you're self-aware, then you understand what you are ready for. Yes. And they're at the level of, you know, I don't think I'm that ready to be an all-NBA type of player or a role player on an NBA team, where they're seeing it as, well, shoot, I got a shot. I might as well try, right? Yeah. And if I don't, well, whatever. Then I'll go I'll go back to the G League, and I'll figure it out, and then I'll, I'll figure out what I need to do. And they still get paid in the G League. Exactly. They, what, they yeah. make... Their average is eighty thousand a year, Much or something more like that. Than in college, yeah, yeah. So, it's on. It's just yeah, evaluated risk. That's yeah, exactly. It's an evaluated risk. It's understanding what you're capable of. If you think you can improve and improve your draft stock, and if you outweigh the risk and you want to do that, then that's what I would prefer someone does. But like, if someone wants to say, I might not be ready, but we'll see what the time in between me declaring for something and getting ready for it, and if I can improve, then go for it. But I don't know. As long as people don't like rush into it, I feel like that's when you get the people who are, when you have people who rush into the, those decisions to go to the next level, that's when you get the bus and that's when you get the guys who get injured, like, cause they're trying to, you know, prove themselves in things that they don't, don't normally do. And they're putting them in situations that have an enhanced risk factor that have that stuff happen. Do you to mean them. injured or not ready? No. Like, so what I'm saying is like, you have people who go or well, like you say, how they just go for the NBA or whatever when yeah. they might not be ready for it. Yeah. And then while they're there, they realize either they're a bust and they don't play well. And then also they put themselves in situations to get better that they normally won't put themselves in. And they'll go up for stuff or they'll do stuff that maybe puts them in an enhanced risk factor that gets them injured. So then that's why we see that sometimes. Like are you saying like different training methods or like like things in games that were that way they're trying to improve themselves because they realize that they're not that they can't make the roster or whatever and they go up for a rebound or something that they normally don't do or they normally try to do something that they normally don't do and then they injure themselves like go up for a dunk over two people to try to like improve like what people think of them or something and (laughs) then they land on somebody's ankle or if they try to like go for a steal and then they've you know by somehow chance slip and fall and they break their arm or something like that. That's what I'm saying. It's like they'll put themselves in situations where they normally don't put themselves in in the game. They're playing outside of themselves. Yes, that's what, exactly. That's what, you're that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, I think I see what you're saying. But then. there also could be like a cap to the players. Like I'm, I know there could be a level to where the player just can't get any better. Like he could, but his just athletic athleticism athleticism just doesn't allow him to get to the NBA level. Like you can be some of the best college players, but the NBA it's a different game. It translates and like. For like Zion right now, he he probably if he wants to play eighty two games a year, 
He's probably gonna have to slim down a little yeah, bit. He's gonna have to lose like, a little bit. You can't of like no more Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, yeah. It's too quick of a game. Like back when Shaq was playing, the game was a little slower. Now it's you're scoring 130 points a game. You're well, constantly so back running. Then Shaq was just a unit. Like yeah. he wasn't like fat or anything. Like he was just a just a big guy, seven foot muscle. A diesel truck. A diesel. Yeah, big diesel. Yes, a diesel truck. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what he was. No, I I would I would agree with that at the point of. The bottom line of this whole thing is what's the all-time goal, right? Is it get to the league to get security for your family as fast as possible? Or is it, I want to be on the NBA top 75 list? I guess it depends time. on your background. Right. Growing and up. That's that's the that's the biggest thing is what our perception is the public doesn't know those things, right? Like, we, we hear the stories. We hear the 30 for 30s, right? We hear all these these players that... Uh, like you, you, you hear on TV that are like, yeah, yeah, they, they, t- they did the, they did it absolutely perfectly or man, they, they took a, a huge risk and still got it there. But I mean, you're putting scenarios of where like, especially you have the idea of that's where they, what they grew up in and they did, that's not what it was. right. There's some people that are like, oh yeah. Like, wait, I mean, this person got everything perfect for them. They went to the perfect school, went to the perfect college, all that sort of stuff. But then there's some that don't, and they what are they going to do to get to the league is up to them, and how fast they want to do it is there, because there's some there's some situations that you look at, they're like, yeah, they're doing it for their families, they're doing it for their other reasons than themselves, and no matter where they're at, it doesn't matter, I just want to get to the fastest way possible to help right now, and that's, that's the bottom line of what this whole perception of leaving early staying in college going to the g league going overseas what method just depends on your situation and our argument is the public's perception does not line up with what the actual player's perception is yeah yeah because it could really depend on so many factors because i've noticed a lot of the top high school talent they go to college they do great in college but as soon as they get to the nba they're in the g league and a guy i can think about this is like mac mcclung he was You'd see him all over House Highlights, everywhere on Instagram for his high school dunks, his high school basketball ability. He went to college at Texas Tech, I'm pretty sure. And then yep. he. Yeah, Georgetown, then Texas Tech. Played yep. great there. And then he went to the NBA, and now he's in the G League. And I just like. Yeah, he's a He's fr- got to improve he's a, a couple things. Thing. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just the, the background. Like, I've noticed a lot of the star players, and like, I'll switch sports real quick, but like NFL, Cooper Cup. You don't. You never heard of them until mm-hmm. now. And like a lot of NBA players, I never heard of them coming up from high school. I never heard of them in college. Zero stars. And then they get drafted and they work, work hard in the NBA to get that paycheck and get, get their money. And they just play to the best abilities. And now they're rising stars. Yep. It all comes down to the ultimate outcome, and that determines the trip to get there. Mm-hmm. And that's all it ever is. That's all there ever was. But yep. thank you guys so much for tuning in. A great episode here. We appreciate Kyle for coming on. It was fantastic. Thanks, as always. Kyle. Thanks Man, for having me, guys. Thanks, Kyle. But if you want to be in that seat, you know what to do. Follow us on the MVSP. Shoot us a message and tell us why you should be on the show next. Hey, it might be next week. You might be on joining us for Ew. some great championship talk coming up next week. So don't forget to stay tuned. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the MVSP. Subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are on. And until next time. Take care, everybody. Thank you.